Hey everyone, Chris Lopez here, and today's episode is going to be talking about the coronavirus and how it's impacting the Denver real estate market and also investors and landlords. So over the last, I don't know, week or 10 days, uh, I've had lots of conversations, no surprise there, but lots of conversations with active clients, with clients under contract, with lots of other investors and agents and professionals around town. So some of the time it's been me offering what I know and my insight and kind of like my views on things, but I've also learned a lot from other people as well. So it's been very beneficial uh, for me and I think the other person as well, uh, but here two problems with it. It's been pretty inefficient. It's been one-on-one phone calls. And also, you know, things are changing really, really rapidly as everyone knows out there right now. So I started to think over the last few days, hey, how can we get something in place to share knowledge, share ideas, uh, help each other out, all that basic stuff? Because I definitely got my network of people I hear things from, but so do a lot of other investors and agents and lenders and property managers and everyone else around real estate. They've all got their network and their ear to the ground. So I was trying to think of an efficient way to get uh, some ideas going, and it hit me that uh, using a Bigger Pockets forum uh, might be the best way to do it. If you're not familiar with Bigger Pockets, they are a very or they're a nationwide company that sells real estate informational educational products. And they call themselves a social networking website for real estate investors. I enjoy the website a lot from the networking aspect. They've got a great forum on there. So I went and started a forum thread uh, actually like yesterday. I think it was just titled Denver Real Estate Coronavirus Updates and Q&A or something like that. So search for the website. I'll also put a link in the show notes. Or if you can't find it, email me. I'll send you the thread. So I included a bunch of people in there I know on the website that have has knowledge in their networks. Hopefully, we can start getting some people to share ideas. So it should be, hopefully, a really great place for people to go out there and read and learn and ask questions and get updated information and just think, make things more efficient. So go there and go read the thread. You don't have to have an account. Um, just go on there and you can read it all for free. If you need to post a question, you can go create a free account. Um, you know, that takes you know five or ten minutes. You know, go create their free account and plug questions in there. But uh, post it yesterday. I've already had a handful of responses, so hopefully that'll be a good area or a good thread for us to uh, help each other out. So um, my also plan going forward here is just to continue releasing a bunch of deal analyses like I'd originally planned uh, with the podcast because, you know, in some essence, life has got to move on and eventually life will get back to somewhat normal. So we will keep pushing out that content. Uh, and so we're pretty much working virtual as much as possible. And, you know, unless for certain showings and certain real estate activities at the moment, uh, you know, we're practicing the best practices right now with all the government guidelines. So what I'll cover in the rest of this podcast is the most up-to-date information I know at the moment. So definitely check out that Bigger Pockets uh, forum for up-to-date stuff uh, from a day-to-day, hour-to-hour standpoint. But for the rest of this podcast, I'm going to go through some uh, notes. And this is a combination of notes from a webinar that Your Castle did, I think, two days ago uh, with a couple of managing brokers, a lender, a title company, and just different information as to what's going on with the market. I'll, I'm going to add in some color that I know from my perspective as an agent as well. And then we'll talk about the importance of having a plan and sticking to a plan and figuring out what is the best thing for you to do right now in this situation. Because I think for every investor, um, it kind of comes down to what your situation is like, your financial position is like, and what your job security is like. All right, so jumping the notes first. Again, this is, yeah, from two days ago. 
So as far as uh, people listing their properties, we're definitely seeing some people hold off on listing their properties uh, or taking their properties off the market. And I actually think this will put some downward pressure on inventory. And that's just because you know more and more people are working from home now. More and more people have their kids at home now. So everyone's you know at home. So having showings is not convenient if they're trying to work at home, they're trying to homeschool their kids, and they've got you know kids, dogs, everyone there. Plus, um, you know, a lot of people want to minimize people coming through their house. So I know some people are definitely pulling their homes off the market or waiting a couple weeks in that situation. Uh, other people are listing their property still because they are vacant or they've got a, a, a schedule that allows them, um, you know, to to get out of the house. But with uh, some caveats there, what we're seeing on the seller side is that uh, some sellers are requiring a pre-approval letter from the broker, from the buyer's broker, before any showings are allowed at the property. That way, they want to minimize, you know, tire kickers or people are not ready to go through the, go view the property. So a pre-approval, so that is, you know, you being approved by a lender, showing that that you have the funds and the ability to get a loan, at least at the current moment in things. Um, you know, everyone's also asking people, hey, no extra people at the showings. This is not the time to bring your best friend, your mom, your dad, your friends, uh, your kids. You know, it's, hey, get the decision makers there. The one or two people that need to make a decision, uh, you know, get them there. This is not the time to bring the whole train, uh, train of people through. Uh, it's recommending that uh, various language is being put in some contracts. And so you'll definitely want to talk to your agent, um, possibly your attorney, your lender, you know, your team you're working with here as far as what the appropriate language is to put in your contracts. Since, uh, you know, there can be bottlenecks in the real estate process with appraisers and closings and title companies and lending and all sorts of things. And who knows what things will be like in a week or two. So with our contracts now, we're adding in additional language to hopefully help, you know, protect our buyer. Ultimately, you know, is the first thing is protect our buyer. Secondly, uh, put the appropriate language in there to kind of allow the deal to stay together if we all get unexpected curveballs. So uh, if you're one of my clients, make sure you talk with me and my team. We'll definitely tell you what we're doing. If you're not my client, can't share that with you, but uh, obviously talk to your agent or figure it out on your own. So I kind of gave you an update as to what the sellers were doing and some uh, things are being done as far from the listing side and the uh, contract side. Now, what are buyers doing? Buyers are still out there in force. Um, I haven't seen, I don't know what the latest market updates are. I'm kind of waiting to the end of the month. So about 10 days from now to see what the stats are like. I do know showings are definitely down, but here's the thing. It is still a seller's market. Uh, we'd have to have uh, quite a few buyers drop off for it to even get out from this crazy extreme seller's market to more of a balanced market. Now, you know us, we're investor-friendly agents. We work prominently on the buy side. I mean, 95% of our transactions are on the buy side. Um, and we're still getting, you know, bumping up against multiple offers on properties. A great example is that uh, I think it was on Wednesday. We were uh, a Wednesday, a property came in the market, a you know, good looking property, priced well, marketed well. The listing agent did his or her job and did the right stuff there. Um, it came online sometime Wednesday. One of our clients emailed us over, and this is right around like a low four thousand dollar price point in like uh, Aurora. So just and they were looking to do a house hack property. Emailed us over, say, "Hey, great, let's check it out. 
We scheduled showing for the next day on Thursday. Got an email from the agent Thursday morning um, that the property, properties are under contract. And actually, I do know the listing agent, so I got some more details as to what was going on. They listed it. You know, within a couple hours, they had 20-plus showing requests, and they already had four offers by the end of the first day they listed. So that was on a Wednesday. And that's just one example of quite a few examples as to that buyers are still out in force. So um, with that in mind, you know, if you're selling the property, you need to figure out what's the right move for you. If you're buying a property, uh, you probably need to get more focused on what properties you're interested in because we want to limit the showings of properties for the sake of social distancing. So what a lot of buyers are doing, a lot of the recommendations are, hey, if there's five properties you like, uh, we'll really go view that two or three that are really high potential. Avoid the other two or three. Like, yeah, I just kind of want to see it because focus on those, you know, two or three properties that look like high potential. That way just, you know, helps us all, uh, you know, uh, minimize contact with other people and hopefully get this virus uh, nipped in the bud. So, but... This is not, nothing has happened as far as bringing low balls offers in. Nothing has happened as far as price reductions. Nothing has happened in anything like that. It's still a seller's market. Now, I did have a client email me a few days ago saying, oh, I saw all these price reductions and a property came back on the market. Does this mean prices are dropping? I looked at it. From what I could tell, no, it is not an indication the market is dropping um, because a lot of these properties that were listed, they had classic signs of overpricing. They were listed back in like early and mid-February. So before you know all this coronavirus stuff hit us here in Colorado, uh, they were listed on the, on the market. And these are all like three, you know, high 300s, low 400 price point homes. So these mar- properties, they should sell fast if they're priced correctly. So they sat on the market for around 30 days, no interest. So they are dropping the prices. So every one of the prices I saw from this email or price drops I saw from this email were properties that are listed back in February. So to me, that's more of a classic sign of overpricing versus a market falling apart. Um, also, uh, yeah, a property came back on the market that fell out of contract. That happens. Market average is that one out of five properties fall out of contract. And I'm assuming we'll probably see a little bit, probably even more properties fall out of the contract now as people that, uh, you know, their job is in jeopardy now or they're just concerned with the way the world is and they want to sit on the sidelines. So just because properties are falling on a contract does not mean that the market is falling apart. So again, bottom line, still a seller's market. If properties are priced and marketed correctly, they are still getting offers uh, you know, showings and multiple offers often within 24 to 48 hours. So just like it has been. So going forward, kind of the best guess with me and other agents is that, hey, rather than there maybe being eight to 12 offers, there might be four to six offers on properties. So hopefully there'll be less offers because I've definitely had some clients who just want to sideline themselves because they're not sure of their job or they're just kind of scared out by this, you know, if they're uncertain of this time. Uh, so there are going to be, I think, less buyers out there but not enough to see any price drops and not enough to still have multiple offers on properties. Again, that's what we know as up to like, I think today's March 22nd. I'm recording this on Sunday morning. All right. So that was on the, you know, the actual like buying and selling side. And again, by the end of this month, once we have the total market data for the month, we'll have some better data as to what's going on uh, this month. And we can also pull some data as to 
how trends were from the first half of March to the second half of March um, to kind of compare the two parts of March. But we'll definitely do a more in-depth one as we get better data to talk about. But right now, from a high level, not much has changed. All right, so next thing to talk about is title companies and closings. Um, so title companies, they're some are still doing in-person showings. Some are moving to uh, drive-by showings. And I'll talk all about this right now. So every title company I've seen for in-person showings, they're saying, hey, as few people at the closing as possible, only the people actually need to sign something there. <clears throat> so I know a lot of agents are no longer going to closings. We're no longer doing the closings with the buyers and the sellers there at the same time. And just like we talked about, when you go look at a property, this is not the time to bring everyone to the closing. Uh, don't bring mom and dad, don't bring friends, don't bring kids, just the people that need to go there and sign. Uh, that way it limits the people in the room and they're going to be a little bit more space in the room. And the title companies, they're all doing, you know, uh, being uh, health conscious. They're giving everyone like their own pens to use with, hey, take it. You only touch us one pen, you leave. Their rooms are being sanitized in between. So they're doing the things to help, you know, mitigate uh, any potential spread of the virus. Now, some title companies, I don't know if they started this yet, but I think they're starting to or they're getting ramped up for it, is called curbside closings. Um, it's literally where they have like a tent set up in their parking lot. You drive up, you drive up in your car, you crack your window, uh, they sl slide the closing docks through the window to you, you close your window, you take out your driver's license, you put it to the window for the notary, they take a photo of you and your driver's license. Then they notarize their book or you know make their notary note. You sign the documents. You ask questions. You open the window. You pass the paper back through. You close your window and you drive off. So they're trying to do things to minimize contact as much as possible. Like I said, I've seen quite a few emails from title companies. I don't know if they started doing this yet, but I think though this will start happening here. If not, it has already happened already. It will be happening here very soon. So obviously, if you have a property under contract right now, talk to whatever title company you're working with because they're all going to have you know what their rules are and their updated information. So the other note is that um, you know normally while you go to closing, once you sign the documents, you know like a lending documents, they go send the documents off to the lender. Uh, you know then it usually takes twenty minutes for the lender to approve the paperwork, make sure everything's signed, nothing was missed, and then they fund the deals. So they're not going to do this now. They're just trying to you know minimize time and speed things up. So they're going to cut out that part of the closing, and they will. Uh, There'll be no waiting for funding and then checks, you know, the final checks to the, the sellers, uh, the agents will either be mailed out or wired out. And again, they're asking that no agents be at closing. Uh, they'll be available by phone. That's what we're currently doing with our deals under contract is, hey, we will get a digital copy of the stuff. We'll be available by phone, help answer questions. But in reality, there's only like one document we need to sign there. That's a settlement statement. And we can also do an electronic sign, uh, e-sign of that. So currently doing electronic closings or you know electronic notaries is not legal in Colorado. I've seen various emails from uh, various people that uh, they have reached out to the governor um, and the state legislature to pass an emergency bill that would allow for virtual closings in the state of Colorado. So hopefully they can get that figured out because that would, um, you know, just help minimize social contact with people and make everyone's life a lot easier. 
uh, and you know other states can do it. Just Colorado has a law that cannot do it. So hopefully there something can be figured out and put into place to help uh, facilitate the closings and keep things going on. So when you see offices are closed, and so this is you know government county offices, uh, it doesn't mean they're like closed, closed, and no one's available. It just means they are running a skeleton clue and or working remotely. Uh, so they can still do some e-recordings for title. Uh, things will still get done. It'll just take a little bit longer. So certain counties, such as Jefferson and Adam counties, do not have e-recordings. So if, uh, e-recordings available to record the deed. So if that county um, does not have e-recording, uh, there is an agreement and gap coverage. So they are, they'll basically they'll figure things out. Um, so this was a note from the webinar that while title may be okay with this gap coverage, lenders may not be. So you have to discuss that with your lender. All right. So talking to lenders, let's talk about lending right now. Uh, because if you guys have followed the interest rates or you've been under contract trying to lock your rate in, this has been a wild two or three weeks of lending. Uh, literally, the interest rate has shifted some days by a whole point, like a whole point swing, which is I've never seen before in talking to lenders. They've not seen this since like the 2008 uh, uh, financial meltdown. So a lot of times rates are literally changing hour by hour. So if you get a rate you like, Lock that thing in. I can tell you, I'm under contract on property now, and this was two weeks ago before things really got wild. Uh, I met with Joe in the morning to talk about the lending. He gave me a few options to look for. I said, cool, let me just, you know, I'm going to go upstairs to my office. I'll come back down an hour or two, silent. You know, I'm going to do I just kind of want to, you know, run some numbers. I'll come back down. Anyway, I got busy, you know, appointments, work, all that stuff. Came down by the end of the day, rates had already changed. So I ended up having to buy a half more point down up front. Um, even just from that little bit of day, things changed. I went ahead and locked it in because I don't like uncertainty. And really, my like, cool, another $1,500 at closing, I don't really care about. Just lock the rate in. It's still really good. So, you know, get yourself in a point where you can make a decision quickly. Um, I would recommend probably that there is a risk of shopping around. If you get a quote from one lender, then another lender, then another lender, by the time you get back to that first lender, rates may have changed. So I understand there are pros and cons to it. Uh, and I would definitely talk to your lender about what their disaster recovery plan is. Hey, if things completely fall apart, or hey, if my county title company is closed, what do you do? Figure out those details, um, but you know, worry about that once you're in their contract and they have a copy of your contract so they can see all the details on there. And so once your rate is locked in, the rate does not change um, unless the change is by more than 1%. Again, this will change by lender to lender. Some lenders will honor the lower rate. Some lenders may have to change. So this is why you want to talk to your lender and get a full rundown as far as to what is happening. Uh, but basically assume once you lock in the rate, be ready to move forward and close with that rate. All right. Another thing, landlords, uh, for people that currently are out there that own rental properties, there is an eviction moratorium. I know uh, President Trump, I think earlier this week, did a federal one or did a uh, somewhat of a federal moratorium. Even before then, if not for all the counties in Denver, the vast majority of counties around Denver, they have basically put a moratorium on evictions. I think this happened about a week ago. Um, so what this means is that uh, basically two things here. The courts are closed, so you can't process the eviction. 
and the sheriff's office has been instructed not to be doing any evictions for the foreseeable future. So if you currently have an eviction going on, I think you're just kind of you're out of luck, unfortunately. Uh, hopefully not too many people have that. Um, and they're just doing that because, you know, they want to you know protect the renter and make sure, hey, if that renter who's your bartender or waiter, they lost their job, they don't want them to go homeless. So I can understand from that perspective, um, you know, they're trying to minimize, you know, human, you know, human issues at this point. So that kind of does stink as a landlord. But this is something that the government has enacted and that we have to figure out how to deal with. So the current recommendations I've heard from a couple of lawyers and a couple of property managers I work with is they still say, hey, go through the process, um, you know, post a notice. If you can get a court, get a no, get an order from the court if they're open. But don't expect the sheriff's office to take the request because all evictions are in the holding pattern right now. But also have a conversation with your tenant. And I think personally, what I told my property manager, I said, hey, if someone can't make rent, let's talk with them first before we post a notice. Um, because let's just let's have open communication. I think that's the best for everyone right now, because I do believe the vast majority of tenants, like the vast majority of people and homeowners out there, they just want to do their work. They want to pay their bills. And, you know, hey, if they lost their job, they're in a worse spot than I'm right at the moment. So I can have a conversation for a week to help figure things out. That's what I'm currently doing. Uh, but the whole point there is have a conversation with your tenants, see what their situation is, and then put into place how they can repay the rent or reduce the rent or add that one month's rent to split it up over 12 months. You know, start having those conversations with your tenants to see what can happen. Now, whether you like it or not from the government, whether you, what type of economics you like to, you know, you go for, the government will be giving bailouts. And it sounds like they'll be giving some really, really big bailouts with the trillion dollar numbers that have been bounced around the headlines. So hopefully that means tenants will get money that can help pay them rent. Now, will every tenant still pay rent? No. Like I said, I think most tenants as with most people, are really nice people, or there's good people, uh, but there'll always be that one, two, three percent of people that will cheat the system. Um, so with those people who cheat the system, you know what? You got the unlucky person. Still communicate with them, work out payment plans, and then still work out the you know posting of the eviction process. So that way, when the sheriff's department and courts come uh, open again, yeah, you, hopefully you've got some leeway there. Or who knows? There might be. Uh, some future government bailout where, hey, if you've got a tenant doesn't pay rent, they'll somehow let that be forgiven some way to a landlord or you get reimbursed. Like, who knows what will happen? Uh, but definitely document stuff, have communication with your clients is, or with your tenants, everything I've heard from the property managers that I have been working with for both the ones that manage my properties and also just other property managers around town. Now, something else, I've seen this headline the last couple days, um, you know, for all homeowners is that it looks like, you know, for Fannie and Freddie Mac loans, which are like the 30 year conventional stuff, which I know a lot of people have on their properties. That's what I have on my properties. They're working out plans to where you can delay payments on your mortgage payments. And so far what I've read, um, it looks like, Hey, if you call them up, it should be pretty simple. You can delay payments on there. It won't affect your credit score and that they're going to work with you to, work out a different payment plan, whether that's, you know, possibly just adding those couple months off, you know, a couple months you didn't pay back the balance alone, or adding those couple months you didn't pay and just extending the term of the loan. 
It sounds like mortgage servicers are willing to work with people on that. So that is going to be hopefully very good news for everyone out there. But also, you know, landlords, if you get a bunch of tenants that stop paying rent, hopefully that gives you a safety valve to where you can delay your biggest expense on your property, which is your mortgage payment. So again, this is a lot of this is just, you know, headlines I've read, very fluid. Obviously, go talk to your service mortgage provider if you're in a position where you can't pay your mortgage and see what they are offering. And I think every day or every week, it's going to get more and more clear and more and more people will be wanting to work out ways to help, um, you know, work out a plan so eventually everyone can get paid and life can continue on at some point. All right, so those are the notes from the last week that I've put together based on what I've seen, some headlines I've read, talking to the people, and the YourCast webinar that I attended. All right, second thing I want to talk about here um, is about having your plan and what your plan is. Hopefully, you already have a plan. Hopefully, you already have a clear plan, and then this will give you guys clarity. Hopefully, you guys realize about me, I'm big into planning. I'm big into strategizing. That's why I published that you know, Denver Real Estate Investing Guide book um, the last year because it gets it's forced me to write out my plan and hopefully it forces other people to write out their plans. And hopefully a lot of people have read those chapters and it's given them ideas and motivation to write out their plans. So the reason I'm talking about this is because I think plans are incredibly important. So my situation is I'm 37 years old uh, and I vividly remember the 2008 crash. So I wasn't in real estate then, but I did own two businesses and was also actively day trading the stock market. Um, back then, that was what I was doing to help build wealth or trying to build wealth, I should say. But here's reality. I took black eyes on some of the stock market trading, on some of my business, but I was also able to capitalize on some opportunities. And I learned some lessons from both of those avenues, from both my businesses and from my stock market trading. And so as I got into real estate a few years ago, I started writing out my plan, and that was one of the precursors to the Denver Real Estate Investing Guide book. Um, and I, every year, I've been updating my plan since then. So I'm going to give you a quick recap of my plan here, and hopefully others uh, can take notes on this and also go back and revisit your plan. So as you guys know, I'm a buy and hold real estate investor, and my goal is to buy one or two properties a year until I get to $20,000 a month in gross income. That's my one-sentence investing strategy for rental properties. My other sentence for investing is to buy stocks and bonds at a 90% stock and 10% bond allocation. Those two sentences are basically my entire investing plan for retirement. Now, kind of going a little more details here for uh, you know more short-term finances, is I, I always categorize things in different buckets or areas of my life. That way, it keeps things very clean and simple for me. So I have six months of personal living expenses as cash in the bank. And so this is just checking and savings accounts. And I've got about another six months of money invested in a 60% stock allocation, 40% bond allocation. Well, it was six months. It's probably less than six months now since <laughs> everything is cratered here. Uh, but that's definitely longer term emergency funds there. And you know, hopefully I never have to tap into it. I've got six months of my realtor business expenses as cash in the bank. And so, again, I'm pretty conservative. That includes my current expenses. That includes my salary and my estimated monthly tax payments. So with all that, there's also more room if I need to you know, tighten down the expenses on both my business and my personal expenses if I need to extend that cash out. 
And the reason I do that for both, especially for my business, is that cash in the bank equals time to pivot in the business. That was a big lesson I learned in 2008. Um, I've also got six months of principal interest taxes insurance and HOA payments, if applicable, or a minimum of $10,000 a month in a dedicated checking account for each rental property. So give an example there. Um, you know, for the fourplex I own, you know, that mortgage payment is over $3,000 a month. So I got close to about $20,000 at checking account because that's right around six months worth of payments. Then I bought a condo a few weeks ago. The mortgage payment is, I think, $800 a month plus $300 a month in HOA. So it's basically $1,000 a month. Well, I keep a minimum of $10,000 in that account. Uh, plus, I keep an extra few dollars elsewhere as just a higher level extra reserve fund for all those properties. Um, and I also only buy rental properties when I have enough for a down payment, plus all the closing acquisition costs, and I can fund the operating account uh, at that same level of six months of principal interest and taxes or $10,000 you know, minimum. So I'm sharing, I'm sharing this with you for two reasons. One is I reviewed all my numbers like three nights ago because I was like, wow, stuff is getting serious here. Hey, we may see some dropped income. I may have some tenants not paying rent. Let me go back and just sit down and plug all my numbers, write them down and make sure I'm on track with everything. I'm happy to say that I am. You know, some are 5.8 months, some are 6.5 months. But overall, I'm right around that six-month target goal I have. And frankly, if I actually tighten down expenses, I can make that money last longer too if I need to. So if zero money stops coming in, every single part of my life right now has funded for six months. And I've been saying that for a couple years now. So my clients, I hope people out there listening, I hope you guys have taken that advice to heart as well because this is why you do it. Um, and if you haven't, get your plan together, sit down, review your numbers, and figure out what you need to do. The other reason I'm sharing this and talking about this is because about, I don't know, maybe right around March 1st, um, I went under contract on a house uh, in southwest Denver with an ADU. And so, you know, it's a, a better above average deal because there's a house and an ADU rental income. So it's a six plus cap for a single family home with pretty conservative underwriting. So that's, you know, if you guys know single family homes around Denver, that's a really good deal around Denver if you're getting six plus caps uh, around town. So I've definitely been thinking the last week, I'm like, hmm, let me review all my finances. How do things stick with my plan? All this stuff. So my plan is to continue forward with the property purchase because all my finances are lined up and ready to go. I'm in a comfortable position. And plus, knowing what I know with the Denver market currently, um, with you know, there's still high demand out there, both from the rental side and both from the buy side, I am comfortable moving forward. Because whether this takes two months or six months or nine months or a year, you know, life will get back to normal and Denver is still going to be a very strong market. So I still want to buy properties and stay focused on my 20, 30 year investment plan for buying rental properties. Plus, uh, something else I forgot to mention at the earlier part of this podcast, I've got that condo vacant and a vacant unit at my fourplex. And they both went live, uh, you know, within the last week or two as far as on the market. They've both had good showings, good interest. Um, so I'm very comfortable in the rental market. Now I'm also prepared for possibly having it take a month or two longer to rent because, you know, life is slowing down or maybe it just takes longer to rent. I'm also prepared thinking, hey, if rents have to drop a little bit, I am fine with that. So I'm comfortable with what I, everything I know at the current market. 
So, wanted to share that with you so you could get a brief snapshot of what my plan is. Hopefully that gives you some ideas for what your plan is and it gives you the motivation to go look at your plan, review your plan, or go create a plan. And my plan going forward um, is to stick with the plan. That was one of the biggest lessons I learned from 2008 is have a plan in place. Make sure you're sticking with that plan through the good times and the bad times. And I'm, you know, I've been sticking with my plan through the good times, which is keeping high cash reserves. And that way, during the bad times, hopefully, um, you know, we can weather this storm. All of our properties can weather the storm because in five or 10, 20 years, this will be a footnote in history. Um, and, you know, life will get back to normal at some point. So if you guys have questions, I would definitely recommend going to that Bigger Pockets forum thread that I'll put a link to in the show notes because there'll be uh, lots, hopefully, lots of good commentary on there. If you're a client of mine, of course, you always reach out to me. I've been talking to a lot of my clients this last week or two. We've been talking through uh, scenarios, uh, discussing items, um, you know, figuring out, hey, when does it make sense to move forward? When does it make sense to sideline yourself for a couple weeks or a couple months? And we're having those conversations right now. So if you're a client of mine, reach out to me. And also stay up to date on the podcast because I will be publishing some more information. Uh, and also as a just random note that popped in my mind, I've mentioned that Denver Real Estate Investing Guide. I just actually on Friday, I'm recording on Sunday, I got the first proof or the first printed proof of the 2020 guide. So I am going to be proofing that this next week and we will be releasing it in a week or two or on sometime, I should not a week or two, we'll be releasing it sometime next few weeks. And the original plan for that was just to kind of hand it out to clients, hand it out in classes, get it out in people's hands. Obviously, won't be doing that for a while now. So I'll send out an email, and I'll definitely share the Amazon link. Uh, and this year, I'll probably put it up on Kindle 2. That way, it's just an easier way for people to read. Because I, th- I think this is a more important time than ever to be reading plans and refining your strategy and also staying to your plan. So if you guys, guys have questions, definitely reach out to me. All right, man. All right, everyone, stay healthy and stay safe.